Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When people are battered and beaten and bruised in this world, attacked by the enemy of their soul, and attacked by the culture, they want to come into the church and find a place of security. They want to find a place where they could be lifted up shouldn't find a war. You don't have to look very far to see the division that occurs when looking around the world. Whether it's social, political, or racial, division is an unfortunate reality in our current fallen state. Addressing this very issue, Pastor Ed reflects on the importance of maintaining unity within the body of Christ. Those that have been beaten and bruised by the divisions of the world want unity more than anything else. As Pastor Ed teaches us, what better place to find unity than within the body of Christ? Let's join Pastor Ed in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, with his continuing study entitled, Being One. Remember praying in the Spirit? Remember God just coming and, and doing something supernaturally? Those special times of visitation where He just stops in. Paul is mounting his argument. He's bringing it along and he's bringing us along. He's saying, okay, here's an argument for unity. Here's an argument why you shouldn't retaliate. Here's an argument why you shouldn't undermine. Here's an argument when you should, why you should just let God be God and leave it in his hands because he's encouraged you that incredible love that he's comforted you with. I think of 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 1, who says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from Christ. And then he goes, any tenderness, compassion we have in Christ. In the King James, it uses the term bowels. It's an antiquated word. Words change meanings. But what it really means is from the very deep down in the pit of your stomach, have you felt God just reach out and lift you. Reach out and embrace you with tenderness and mercy. Remember the Mount Everest of your sins that he simply took and he cast it into the deepest sea. Remember when he cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And what Paul is arguing is don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Don't be exacting with other people. They're going to pay for that. I'm going to make sure things are made wrong. Remember what he forgave and just washed away. You, what has he done? Well, you don't know what she, you don't know what he, He knows. He knows. God, we lay it before you. Uh, Oftentimes, 
we forget that the church is a house. It's a house of unity. The enemy would love to come and divide us. Do you know it's estimated that the American Revolution would have been won in one year if all the colonies had united together? But because there was disunity, it took eight long years of bloodshed. The enemy knows that a church united together has great strength, and he will do everything he can to divide it. And so what Paul the Apostle is saying at this moment is he's saying, do everything you can in remembrance of what God has done for you, reflect it in your relationship with the body of Christ. This should be a house of unity. Why does a husband go out to work? Why does a wife go out to work? To support the family. And when they come into their home, they want to have it as a refuge. A place filled with love and, and a place where they can find support and strength. And so that's why they, the husband works as hard or the wife works as hard. When people are battered and beaten and bruised in this world, attacked by the enemy of their soul, and attacked by the culture, they want to come into the church and find a place of security. They want to find a place where they could be lifted up. They shouldn't find a war. They shouldn't find people at opposite sides of the aisle fighting with one another. They shouldn't be caught in the crossfires. How many young Christians and older Christians alike? I remember pastoring in central Pennsylvania. It was a church that had gone through a very difficult split years, years, years before I had come. And I, it may have been like a decade before. I still met people that didn't attend church and were broken and bitter and hadn't walked inside of a church since that split. People are wounded by disunity. And Paul the Apostle, to a church that he loves, began to feel the pulse. Hmm. Began to look at the spiritual realm and said, I need you to recognize that unity must be a priority. This unity in the body of Christ is a mark of spiritual disease. When we pull down and put down and keep down and we build walls and we burn bridges, we are advocating for disunity. As a church, we must work at unifying. It's not natural to us, but we have to do it. Remember Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, his high priestly prayer? Before God, he went and he said, Father, I pray that they may be one as you are in me and I am in you. He prayed for the unity of the church. He knew the enemy would come again and again and again and again to try and disrupt and break. The enemy will try and bring disunity in your home between husband and wife, between children, in the church. Because he's out to destroy. Jesus prayed 
They may be one. There should be something mystical, something mysterious, something unexplainable about our unity. It is the great witness to the world that Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus died for our sins. One of the great testimonies of the church that Jesus rose from the dead, that he died on the cross, that he ascended to heaven, that the gospel is true, is the unity that you find in the midst of believers. And so he prayed. Paul is praying that we promote unity. And he's telling us to reflect on a relationship with God. Now he goes on to tell us to work on our heart's attitudes. To work on our attitude. In verses 2 to 3. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Notice, what Paul the Apostle begins with is our mindset. In the Greek language, verse 2, it uses mind twice. At the end of verse 2, he talks about our mind, this mindset that we have. There should be a mindset to build unity. There should be a mindset to build bridges. There should be a mindset to build the body of Christ to bring one another together. It doesn't mean we all agree. It doesn't mean that we all think the same way. You don't do that in a household. You wouldn't do that in the church. You have a thousand people Plus, people are going to think differently. That's normal. We don't want uniformity. We want unity. And they're two different things. I like the way Bill Hybels said it. The mark of community, true biblical unity, is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of a reconciling spirit. Conflict that goes underground poisons the soil and hurts everyone eventually. It really does. I was reading something uh, that I thought was pretty humorous uh, about these two people that meet, and they're both Christians. In a conversation with a person I had recently met, I asked, are you a Protestant or a Catholic? My new acquaintance replied, a Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He answered, Baptist. Me too, I said. Northern Baptist? Or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist, he replied. Me too, I shouted. He continued to go back and forth. Finally, I asked, Northern, conservative, fundamental Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1879, or Northern, conservative, fundamental Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council 1920, 1912? He replied, Northern Conservative Fundamental Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, heretic! (laughs) Die, heretic! Oh, I mean, we divide over such stupid things. And we make the secondary things, primary things, and the primary things, secondary things. We get it all, all mixed up. There should be this mindset for unity. The King James, New King James says in Philippians 2.2, 2, 
Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having same love, being one accord of one mind. Lord, help us to be of one accord, one mind. We're here to get the gospel out. We're here to preach the word of God. We're here to see souls saved. We're here to glorify God. We shouldn't be squabbling over music or we shouldn't be squabbling over what particular version of the Bible that the pastor is preaching out or the home group is studying about. We shouldn't be squabbling over those type of things. What really matters is that we have one mind, one heart, one spirit. So our mindset, but he doesn't stop there. He goes further to our motivation. In verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Now, what he's saying there is be careful because the church is not to be used for our personal agendas. It's not to be used to make me feel good about myself, to build up my own personal ego. It's not for selfish ambition. Well, I'm going to succeed at the church, or I'm going to... No, 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 no. Don't use it that way. There should be this attitude of humility in us that that marks our lives. Uh, I remember one man in my home church, he was a very godly man, He was one of the deacons, and he was a good worship leader. In our church, it was basically all volunteers when I was there at that time. And so we had volunteer preachers and volunteer worship leaders. And and so he led the worship quite often. But there were other people who wanted to lead the worship. And I remember him being asked, and he would say, Listen, brother so-and-so or sisters, use them. And it wasn't because he wasn't gifted, is he just wanted to encourage them. Or he saw that perhaps they felt left out. And so he wanted to lift other people up. In contrast, there was another man in the church who was one of our lay preachers. And Pastor Greco would allow him to preach. But he wasn't, you know, he was okay. He was a good preacher. But, you know, we had a lot of lay preachers. He would get upset with Pastor Greco. He'd get upset. I want more opportunities to preach, and I especially want to preach on Sunday mornings. Well, I still remember at Pastor Greco's funeral, I saw this older gentleman. Do you know he was still chewing the same bone? I thought, oh, my, give me a break. There has to be this sense of humility, this sense of a concern for others that we're not trying to outdo one another, but we're concerned about the good of the body of Christ. Uh, A conductor of a symphony orchestra was once asked, what's the most difficult instrument to play? He responded, the second fiddle. (laughs) He says, I can find plenty to play first violinist, but to find someone who can play second fiddle enthusiastically, that's a problem. And he said, if we have no second fiddle, we'll have no harmony. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It shouldn't be uh, an outlet for my ego. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Uh, It doesn't mean that you deny you have a gift that you have. It doesn't mean that you 
don't assess yourself properly. Uh, some people are gifted singers and some people aren't. Some are gifted in administration. Some are on and on the gifts go. So it doesn't mean you deny what you have. If you have a gift and you say, no, I don't have it. Everybody else is better. And no, no, no. That, That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, rightly recognize your gifts. We recognize they're from God. Everything we have is from God. They can go in a moment's time. But have the right attitude about how you're used and rightly assessing yourself. I, I read about a problem in a choir that they had. We don't have problems like this, but in this choir they had a problem. There was someone in the choir that couldn't sing. And the music minister was so frustrated. Week after week, that person would throw the choir off. They'd be off in tune, and, and, and it, it, it just was a mess. Not only did the music minister get frustrated, but other choir members got frustrated. And they began to say, listen, unless you do something, we're quitting. So the uh, minister went to the senior pastor and said, Pastor, I'm going to quit. And not only am I going to quit, but a uh, good part of the choir is going to quit unless you get so-and-so out of the choir. So the senior pastor rolled up his sleeves, called for a meeting, and he said to this man, he said, listen, I, I, I know you have a good heart, you want to serve the Lord, there's a lot of needs in our church, and, and I'd like to plug you into some one of those areas, but I don't think the choir is quite the place for you. And the man didn't get it. So he had to be blunt. He said, listen, I've had five or six people come to me. And they said, you can't sing. It didn't faze the man. He shot back. That's nothing, pastor. There are 50 people in the congregation who came to me and told me you can't preach. <laughs> so... We've got to make sure we're not doing anything out of selfish ambition or vain glory. We want to do it in humility. Someone has said, concentrating on self will breed disunity. Humility is not focusing on yourself. It's focusing on God and others. When you walk humbly with God, you're not focusing on yourself. You're focusing on others. The closer people get to God, the lower they will be in their own esteem. The closer you get to God, like Paul, you realize you're the chiefest of sinners. When he started off, he said he's the least of the saints. When he ended up, he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. As the years passed by, he realized that his heart was sinful. And the closer you get to God, the more you see how you need his grace and how you need his mercy and you're less judgmental with others. And so Paul the Apostle tells us we have to work on our heart's attitude. We've got to reflect on God's relationship to us, how he's treated us. Think about all the ways he's treated you. Then work on your heart's attitude, your mindset and your motivation. Examine them, study them. Work at advancing the good of others. Verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. 
That's hard sometimes because we're in our own little world. We're involved in our own thing. And sometimes the church looks like Washington, D.C. and the Congress with all sorts of special interest groups. This person's concerned about the youth. Someone else is concerned about the children. Uh, Still another person, the senior citizens. Still the other person, the music. And and, and the other, the tea. On and on. And everybody is lobbying for their particular ministry. It's not to be that way. It's we're all together in this, in unity. And that's what Paul is wanting to emphasize to the church at Philippi. It's not a special interest group. It's together. We're in this together. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. What's good for him? What's good for her? What's good for the organization? What's good for the kingdom? So many times, it's me, myself, and I. And we draw our circle around ourselves, and that's as big as our world gets. It's much bigger than that. I came across a story about a garden. A little garden. You know, a home is like a garden. You've got to give it tender, loving care. You have to have the right atmosphere. You have to have the right things that happen in there. And then people flourish in that type of home. Children flourish in it. Well, he talks about 15 rows worth planting. Let me just read it to you. Plant four rows of peas. Preparedness, perseverance, promptness, politeness. Plant three rows of squash. Squash gossip, squash criticism, squash indifference. Along with five rows of lettuce. Let us be faithful, let us be unselfish, let us be loyal, let us love one another, let us be truthful. And three rows of turnips. Turn up with a smile, turn up with a new idea, turn up with determination. Now, this is God's garden. And we're called to work in it. Let's do the very best we can for the kingdom of God. Let's set our hearts to building unity. And whenever we see disunity in some way, we'll work to rectify, to change, to address that. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Some people walk around and think like they're the most important person. Paul said, walk humbly. Low, very low, my brother, my sister. For he humbled himself when he came from heaven to earth. And he took upon himself the form of a servant. Go thou and do likewise. Love begins when someone else's need is more important than my own. This morning, will you answer Jesus' prayer? Will you make it the mission of your life that they may be one at Faith Assembly? Will you build the community of the church Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. 
This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.